Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to make disciples who honor God, love people, and impact the world. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's today's podcast. But what we are in is a series called When Pigs Fly. That's weird, Pastor Chris. Yes, it is a little bit weird, actually. Um, but the, the, the reason that we're calling it that is we're talking about miracles. We're talking about miracles. And so for the first two weeks, we talked about um, how Jesus has the power to overcome the powers of darkness. We looked at Ephesians 6.12, where our battle is not against flesh and blood, but about, against the rulers and the principalities and the forces of darkness, and how through Jesus and his name, we have available to us the authority to fight that, the miracles of deliverance is what we called it. Then we talked about miracles of healing and that God can physically heal. We see examples all throughout scripture and we ended the service like praying for some people and it's been really encouraging. I've got to hear a few stories of like how God showed up in that and it's really been encouraging my faith as, as time goes on. And then we took a week off, and today we're in our third of the four-part series, and I get to talk about a miracle, if you will, or a series of miracles or type of miracles that quite honestly I've had to wrestle with a lot in the last year and especially seven months. It's been a hard one to wrestle with, and so even today as, as we talk about this, I often tell people, like, I'm not preaching a message that I'm not also preaching to myself. One, that makes it easier for me if, like, you get convicted. I wasn't, I swear I wasn't singling you out, but also I believe that, like, any message that is unpacking the gospel, the truth of the scripture, should meet all of our needs, should speak to all of us, and so this one especially today is something that I've been, been wrestling through over the last seven months especially. Um, and I'm curious, have any of you, have any of you ever prayed a prayer like this? God, if you just get me through this, just save me right now, I'll serve you forever. You don't have to raise your hand because maybe you think you're the only one. But to yourself, has anybody ever prayed that kind of prayer? God, if you just save me right now, if you, you know, Jesus take the wheel kind of moment. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever went through that? Have you ever prayed a prayer about a test that you didn't study for? Then you're just, God, as I cram, would you honor this time and would you just grow it exponentially so that my wisdom is just supernatural tomorrow? God, would you meet me in that place? God, I know that there's red and blue lights behind me, but if you get me out of this ticket, I will save you forever. You ever pray these kinds of prayers? Today I want to pray or talk about um, the miraculous power that God has to protect us and save us from situations, scenarios, dangers, whatever it may be. In fact, in Psalm 37, verse 39, it tells us this about God's power. It says, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. He is their fortress in times of trouble. Our God has the power to save, to deliver, and to rescue and today we get to unpack a tension, a tension of a God who can save, who does protect, but sometimes things don't go the way we think they should. He can do it, but sometimes he just doesn't do it the way we think he should or the way that we know he could, but he doesn't. And this is a difficult subject to cover, but I believe it's one that can not only provide some answers and some context within the scripture, but at the very same time, it can build our faith in a God who does miracles. 
build our faith in a God who does miracles. So I hope that as we go through this message, it will do something internally to our faith as we hear the word of God. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive into the word. So Father, thank you for this morning. God, I pray that my words would be yours, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me this morning to your children. God, would you meet each one of us where we're at? Would you minister to our hearts and souls through this word? And God, would you be glorified through the declaration of your truth here this morning? We thank you for this time. Amen. So my first thought this morning, and and I hope that we can all embrace this um, by the end of our time together, is that long before you face a problem, God has a plan. He's got it covered. He's got it taken care of. Like Long before you face a problem, God's got it covered. He has a plan. Before you face something unexpected, something difficult, even something tragic, our God has a plan on how to use all things to accomplish his purposes. And I want to show you some scriptural examples. For instance, long before the rain flooded the earth, God already had a plan for Noah, his family, and for the right animals to be on the boat. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God had a plan for him to be swallowed by a fish. That's not how we think it should work out, right? And brought back to shore. Long before the Israelites were ever cornered by the Egyptian soldiers on one side and a mountain on the other and a sea on the other, God planned to part the Red Sea that they could escape on dry ground. Before the troubles and difficulties they were confronted with, God had a plan. So what does this mean for us today? There may be someone here who might find comfort in this, given some bad news that you've received over the last few years, some tragedies, some difficulties, some circumstances that are less than what you would like to deal with, but just to know that God already has a plan. He's going to take care of it. He's God. He's good. He's in the business of taking care of his people. He's in that business. So what do we know about God? God is a God who can miraculously rescue save and protect. He could commission angels from heaven to come down and guard his people at the word of his command. He can do that. We see examples all throughout the scripture. He can shut the mouth of hungry lions. He can calm a raging storm. Like he has the power to do these things. This is the God that we serve. And long before you ever face a problem, we need to embrace the truth that can minister to us even when we don't understand it. Long before you face a problem, God has a plan. He will accomplish his purposes still. So I want to unpack this today using Acts chapter 16. If you want to read along, you can. We're going to start at verse 16. The words will also be on the screen behind. They're already there. Look at that. Boom. Um, So I'm going to show you some interesting stories. And every time I read more and more about the Apostle Paul, it's just fascinating to me. Like, this guy is, the, him as, as a character in this, and the, the way things play out, and the way he walks out his faith, and this is one of those examples. So I'm going to read through this, and then we're going to unpack it and see what the Lord might speak to us through it today. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, 
they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Now just let that sink in for a second. What just happened? What's going on here? See, there, there, there was a girl that was a slave that was predicting the future, fortune-telling, like Miss Cleo style, okay? Is that, is that too? Anybody? Okay. Miss, like telling, fortune-telling. She was possessed with a demon, was predicting what was to come, and she was making her owners a lot of cash by doing this. And evidently, this girl was a bit of a nuisance. It said she was following them around, and she annoyed them. And they tolerated it for a little while. But then eventually, the Bible basically says they got sick and tired of her doing her deal. They turned around, cast the demon out of her, and suddenly the men that were making the profit on this poor young girl lost their cash cow. Their, their business was lost at the moment that that demon was cast out of that girl. They got really upset, so they told some lies about Paul and Silas and essentially started a riot that was baseless and untrue. And Paul and Silas found themselves victim of the lies in this riot. So they didn't do anything wrong, but all of a sudden they're victim of these lies in this riot. The crowd joined the attack against them, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. They were ordered to be stripped and beaten with rods. They got severely flogged, and they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully, like almost like these prized prisoners. Whatever you do, don't let them out. Keep an eye on them. This is, we need to make sure they don't get out of here. Now, what do we see happen here? Paul and Silas, they're out serving Jesus. They're faithfully doing what God called them to do, and then they're unfairly accused They're wrongly stripped of their clothing, flogged and beaten with rods, severely beaten. Something that was totally unfair and did not fit, was not a fit punishment for what they were doing. Now, if I'm Paul, let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes for a second. I like to put myself in Paul's shoes. I feel like sometimes I identify with him the most out of these biblical characters, but he's kind of the main character of this. If I were him, at some point I might be thinking like, God, this isn't fair. 
I'm out obeying you, doing what I'm supposed to. I've done nothing wrong. Why have I been beaten, stripped, publicly humiliated, and thrown in jail? Like, this isn't fair. Not only is it not fair, Paul was a Roman citizen, and this was an unlawful punishment for him being a Roman citizen. He was exempt from that type of punishment. Now, he was not only wrongly accused, he didn't do anything wrong, but he was beaten and tortured in a way that he was exempt from being treated in the first place. I think we, we could look at Paul's lot in this story and say, God, that was unfair. How could they do that to him? I'd be frustrated if I was Paul. Like, I, I wouldn't be vibing with that. Now, I'm hoping that most of you haven't been stripped and beaten physically, but tragically, many of us in this room have been stripped of hope. We can identify, not with the physical, maybe like humiliation and public beating that Paul endured here, but we can identify with something being stripped away from us before it's time, unfairly, unjustly in our minds. You once had faith and believed that you could trust God in a way, and then something happened, and your hope was stripped away. I believe a lot of us have, have experienced this feeling. Others of you, maybe you weren't beaten with a club, but you were beaten with words or discouragement. We have a harsh rhetoric and a harsh like, narrative in our society and in our world happening right now. And so, whereas you may not be humiliated publicly, beaten and stripped, words of discouragement, harsh words can tear you down as well, unfairly. And I believe that we can identify with that as well. So think about Paul. He's doing what God called him to do, but he's publicly and painfully beaten, tortured, in a way that he shouldn't be as a Roman citizen. What would he do if he was like everybody today? What would he do? A lot of people today would say, God, that's not fair. I don't know where you are. You said you would protect me and you didn't. What did God do in that case? God did not to provide a miracle of protection here. Can he? Yes, we know he can. But in this case, when he was beaten and tortured, God didn't provide a miracle. He could have sent a 10-foot angel, raised up and said, don't mess with him or you're going to get me and all my brothers. Like He could have done that, but he chose not to in this moment. So what did the apostle Paul do when God let him down? When God didn't protect him, what did he do? In today's terms, here's what I think Paul might do. Paul would quit life group, stop praying, stop going to church, stop listening to K-Love and just listen to Eminem for the rest of his life, right? Because he was going to show God. That's what he did. God, you could have protected me, but you didn't. And so I'm just turning my back to all these things. Is this getting a little real? Have you maybe felt some of these things or walked other people through feeling these things? I give up on church and religion because God didn't protect me when I knew he could, but he didn't. So I'm done with him. I'm done. But that's not what he did. The text says that at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. How humbling. He could have just sat there and been like, you know what, heck with this, I'm going to pout, I'm going to go to all the other like, cells, and I'm going to shout out and tell them how God didn't protect me, and this is a joke, and that church is bad because this, and like we might see in people today. But he didn't. It says that he sang praises, hymns, he worshipped. God did not miraculously protect him when he could have, and they're singing and worshipping and giving praise and lifting up their hands and lifting up their hearts and their voices, in giving their good God praise. 
even though that had just happened. And all the other prisoners were listening, right? They were all listening. You can only imagine what they're thinking. Like, these guys are crazy. What's going on here? Like, did they give them some drink over there? What on earth is going on? These people are just singing. They're locked in prison. Do they need a reality check? I've never seen anything like this. And then it says, and suddenly, and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Rewind to week one. What is a miracle? We learned in week one that a miracle is very simply when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. There's a miracle. God intervened in this prison. God didn't do a miracle before when they're being publicly humiliated and beaten, but he chose to do one now. The ground shakes, the doors open, and the chains come off. Now, don't miss this. What is interesting to me here is Paul didn't wait to worship until after the miracle but Paul worshipped God before the miracle. He worshipped him, worshipped him for who he was, not for just how he like, met his needs in any given circumstance. In fact, I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, well, sometimes we offer what he calls a sacrifice of praise. In other words, there's sometimes when we praise God when we don't feel like it, when we don't sense him, we don't feel him. And then there's other times when we do sense and we do feel him and we praise him. But When we don't, we still choose to offer him a sacrifice of praise. We offer that up to him because of who he is, not because of just what he's done for us. We're worshiping for what we know he can do, not just for what he's done. We worship him because of who he is, a sacrifice of praise. You may not feel anything yet. You may not feel like everything's going well in this moment, but you choose to offer up. A sacrifice of praise. So when do we worship our God? We worship him when we feel him, when we know he's there, when we experience him, when we've seen him do something glorious, and we worship him when we haven't seen him, felt him, or felt his presence maybe in a while, and maybe something is going bad and our circumstances aren't great, but we know that he's capable and we know he's God and we know he has a plan, so we worship him anyways. So we worship him anyways. You praise him not because of what you see him doing or not doing, but you praise him for who he is. And that's what Paul and Silas did behind this jail cell in prison. They didn't worship him like, God, thank you for putting me in prison, my back. Like, it hurts so bad I can't even sit down or lay down. Thank you for that. Like, no. They praised him because of who he was and that they knew he had a plan and they knew he still loved them and that he was up to something and they trusted his character and who he was even in the midst of those circumstances. So just start thanking him ahead of time. Thank him before you see anything. Praise him before you feel like he's there and meeting all your needs maybe. Because before there was a miracle, Paul and Silas were praising God. God shows up, right, breaks him open, and now the jailer, this poor jailer, he wakes up, he's like, no, <laughs> like, this miracle totally put him in a bad spot, right, like, <clears throat> he's to the point where he draws his sword, and he's like, I'm just going to end it, I'm a dead man anyway, like, how am I going to explain this, like, all the doors open and all the prisoners leave, like, I'm the worst jailer in the history of jailers, like, this poor guy, and Paul says, no, no, no. Hold up, we're still here. We're still here. We're still here. We haven't left. And the jailer's like, oh my gosh, 
Your God is obviously real. What do I need to be saved? You see how there's a bigger plan going on here than just the flogging and the humiliation that Paul and Silas dealt with. But now we're seeing that God was up to something bigger than they could have even imagined in that moment. Remember, this all started with a demon-possessed girl who was fortune-telling. And now we're seeing a jailer come to know the Lord. Man, I don't know about you guys. I couldn't have drawn that up in my mind. Maybe God had a plan. Maybe God had a plan. So not only did they introduce the jailer to Christ, but the jailer's entire family came to know the grace and goodness and the salvation available through Jesus Christ as this happened. Not only was Paul saved, but so was the jailer and his entire family. Like, let that sink in. How do we go from girl fortune telling, like Miss Cleo Jr., to like a jailer and his entire family getting saved? Like, could any of you made that up? Like, no. And that's why when we question God and we don't get what he's doing, we don't understand his methods and his tactics, when we worship him for who he is, for his character and who we know him to be, we don't have to be concerned with all the details and how it's going to play out because we trust him and we know he's good. And we can bring him a sacrifice of praise in the midst of that, knowing that he's got a bigger plan and he's going to work something out. And their example of it is right here in Acts chapter 16. And I guarantee if you would search long enough within this room and within your own life, there's examples of that happening as well. Maybe you have to look back 10 years. Maybe you have to look back five years. Maybe you got to look at last week. But I guarantee there are examples of God doing this very same thing in your life if you would humble yourself and open your eyes to see his way working out in your life instead of your idea of how it should have worked out. Amen? This is happening all around us. So it's obvious here, like God protected Paul in prison, right? Like that's easy to see. But there are so many other ways that we can't see with our natural eye that I'm convinced God protects us all the time, all the time. You're running late to a meeting and you get stuck behind a train in your car. Now, I don't run into that in Eugene, but when I lived in Corvallis, there's this train that went right through downtown and it's downtown. So it goes like 0.25 miles an hour. And oftentimes it would be like more than three cars. And so you'd be like, man, I'm going to be late. And you're just sitting there like forever. I swear those trains took forever. I used to have to deal with this. It tested my salvation on a weekly basis as I would sit there and wait for this train to go down fifth street. I believe it was right. Like Oh my goodness. And you get so frustrated. I'd get so angry. What if God's protecting you? Ah, Son, just hold up. Be patient. Because you don't know what might be meeting you on the other side of that. Do I know for a fact that God was protecting me from danger when he stopped me behind a train or a red light was broken or maybe something else was going on that hindered my progress towards my plan of the day? I don't know for a fact. But could he use that? Have I heard stories of that happening? Absolutely. So when I'm sitting there frustrated, I choose to offer him a sacrifice of praise. God, if you're protecting me from something now, thank you. If you're not and you're just testing my patience, growing my character and integrity, praise you for that as well. But whatever it is, I trust you. And you are bigger than this silly train in this moment right now. Maybe you wanted this, this specific job 
and you were qualified for it, and they passed you up. We hear all kinds of stories of this these days. I'm qualified. I should have this job. That person got hired. I, whatever else, you can measure yourself against them. Maybe you got passed up, and you're so frustrated. How dare they? They don't know me. They don't know how much of a catch I am. And then six months later, you hear about the massive layoff that that company just had, and they're all looking for jobs. You probably don't have to go too far in your relational connections to hear a story of that happening. In Corvallis, HP did that. Here, I know Symantec has done that. Like these big, massive companies that are just like, oh yeah, sorry, we're going to another country or, or whatever it may be. And you get so frustrated in that moment, but then God leads you into something else that actually lasts more than six months and he was actually protecting you. We don't see that in the moment, but when we offer him a sacrifice of praise before we see the miracle and how it plays out, we get to understand that he is good and he cares about us and he has a plan. He has a plan. <clears throat> For some of you, maybe it's somebody that you knew you were going to marry. You just knew it. And God protected you. <laughs> Because he had something so much better for you, so much more interesting for you that would grow you and that was so much more compatible in ways that you had no clue. But back in the day, man, you were heartbroken. How could he or she not see that in me? Whatever it is, and there's this relational heartbreak. But God protected you because he had something so much better. We can see this happening in all these different areas of our lives. Sometimes you just offer God a sacrifice of praise. And as we get to know the goodness of God, his character, his nature, when he breaks off the chains and throws open the doors, even when he doesn't work the miracle like we think he should, we understand long before we face the problem that he has a plan. Long before we face the problem. And over time, as we spiritually mature and we grow in our faith and become more like Christ, eventually we will learn that sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Let me say that again. Sometimes we start to learn that God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. When we offer up a sacrifice of praise, we accept that. And we worship him for who he is, not for what he is or is not doing. Think about this. God delivered Paul from prison until he didn't. This isn't the end of Paul's story, okay? Like, this, this isn't the one time that, like, God had an opportunity to show up and do something. Scholars estimate that Paul spent five and a half to six years in jail. Five and a half to six years. God broke him out when the time was right, and God didn't break him out when he had another eternal purpose, in fact, I believe it was his fifth missionary journey. Paul was in prison and he was tried by Nero. And Paul was found guilty of being faithful to Jesus. And so he was not crucified for his faith because a Roman was not allowed to be crucified, but he was put to death by beheading. That, that, where was God there? Was that fair? Beheaded for following Jesus, for being faithful to Jesus. God could have sent an angel but just like 10 of the other 12 disciples who followed Jesus, Judas turned away. John survived trying to be killed and died after being exiled to the island of Patmos. But all the others who faithfully followed Jesus, God protected them until he didn't anymore, until his eternal purpose didn't perfectly align with that. <clears throat> but 
But before you face any problem, any hardship, any heartbreak, we have to understand that God has a plan. He has a plan. He sees things differently than we do. I'm grateful for that in the big picture, but in the moments, I tell you what, I don't get it sometimes. I just don't get it sometimes. And sometimes we wake up and realize that his eternal purposes that are beyond our possibility to understand from our human perspective are very, very different than what we would want in this moment. And that's when we learn to, learn to truly trust him for his goodness. And then day after day, even when things are hard, you get the opportunity to wake up and realize and profess that he's still good and give him that praise. Because things are going to be hard. Like, Paul still died. He was beheaded for goodness sake. Like, this isn't fun stuff to talk about. And things are still going to be hard because we live in a broken world. The, the condition of sin and its outcome is all around us. And you're going to wake up one day and you're going to realize that this person that was tragically injured in a car wreck didn't make it. You prayed for them and they didn't make it. And you're going to have questions and you're going to be like, God, why? Why? And you're going to hear a story or know somebody personally who a drunk driver killed some innocent person on the road and they don't live. Why? I prayed for them, God. I know you can protect them. Why? Why yes here? Why no there? And we don't get it. Or the unexplainable accident when you lose a loved one. And we don't understand, God, how could you do that? Why? It's not fair. Does it hurt? Yes, absolutely. Do we grieve deeply for our earthly loss? Absolutely. Does it feel devastating in the moment? 100%. It does. And we're not here to pretend that it doesn't, but we do continue to trust God. We continue to trust him. We worship him and we honor him, even in those circumstances, because our worship and praise to him is not because of what he does or doesn't do in a moment. It's because of who he is. So how does this play out? If we serve a God that can protect, how do we live as followers of Christ? How do, how do, we, how do we do this? One, we pray for divine protection. We just pray for it. We know he can do it. We know that our prayers move the heart of God. Our faith moves the heart of God, so we pray. Is he gonna do it the way we want every time? No, but we still pray with faith and believe that he can. I hope every single one of you pray for God's divine intervention in some area of your life or the lives of others. If you're married, I hope you pray every day for the protection of your spouse and for the protection of your marriage. I, I hope you pray for your friends, for the protection of the people in your life group. Pray for your pastors or people that minister to you. I hope you pray for protection of your children and that they would come to know the Lord and, and follow him. How do you pray that? How do you pray that? God, would you put angels around them? God, would you protect them? Would you guard them? Would you guide them? Would you give them wisdom to discern evil from good? Like, God, would you do that? Because we know you can. Would you protect their minds? Would you surround them with your presence? Whatever it is, like, just, just pray it. Believe that he can do these things. Before you face a problem, God has a plan. And sometimes that plan includes pain. Something that many of us know all too well. 
The plan may include pain. And I don't know about you guys, but I would rather hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside of it. I would rather live hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside of it. I'd rather be in the middle of learning to trust God when things don't go my way than be outside of his will. Here's what Paul never said in prison. Those times when God didn't protect him and didn't send an angel to break him out, he never said, this isn't fair. He never said, forget you, God. He never said, I'm not going back to that stupid church as long as I live. I tried religion and it didn't work. Like That's not what Paul said. This is what he said from prison. He said, we rejoice in the suffering. He said, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I will rejoice all the more. Some things he said when he was out of prison, but were still from him. He said, I delight in hardships and persecution and difficulties because whenever I'm weak, then God makes me strong. He asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger or peril or sword? No, in all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He said, we serve a God who is working in all things. He's working in all things to bring about the good of those who love him. We're called according to his purpose. He's working in the breakups and the breakdowns, in the losses and the wins, in the things that you wanted to happen and the things that you never wanted to happen. He's still working in them. That's our God. That's why we can praise him. We praise him before the miracle because we know that he is always good. And he's always taking care of us. He's always good. I hope you understand that God never, ever promised to always protect us. Remember, you will die. It will be game over someday. Your body, it will be over. He won't always protect your body. He never promised to physically protect everyone, but he did promise that he would never leave us. He promised that he would never leave us. He will always be with us. He is always faithful and he is always good. So maybe right now you're walking through tragedy. Praise him. Praise him because long before you had a problem, he already had a plan. And even if his eternal purposes are different than what we wanted in the moment, we will all one day dwell with him in glory. Amen? Even if what we want in the moment is different, there will be no more tears, no more pain, And we'll see his glory and his perfection revealed. Because through and through our God is good long before you face a problem. He's good long before it. Understand, our God is good. And he already has a plan. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your presence. We pray for those who may be facing something difficult. Maybe even had some questions around this subject. God, we pray that you would give them faith to keep praising, and the faith to keep worshiping you. God, I pray that daily we would take time to offer a sacrifice of praise. God, we worship you when we see it, and we worship you when we don't. We worship you when we understand it all makes sense, and we worship you, God, when it doesn't make sense to us. Father, I pray especially for those hurting today that somehow, by your presence and through your word, you would administer comfort and healing to them. Build our faith, God, so that you can unleash your angels to protect us. 
And God, even when we don't see what you're doing, we don't understand it, we trust you that your purposes will be done. We pray, God, would your will be done on earth that it is in heaven and help us to glorify you no matter what. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.